If you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch is probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our tubes to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Alright, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, one of the things about doing this show, uh, for as long as I have, is that I'm often um, introducing myself to to new artists that, that maybe weren't on my radar before. Uh, I think as listeners know, I go out of my way to try to follow everyone who has any connection to Manitoba music, uh, you know, Winni- Winnipeg, elsewhere in the province, anything like that, and on social media. And usually that kind of uh, turns into me then going through that big list of people I followed and listening to them and finding the ones that interest me. So uh, our guest on, the, on this episode is someone that I sort of uh, stumbled upon in that way. And I think that the best way to start this off is if you want to introduce yourself and maybe give a bit, a bit of background about what it is you do. Uh, hi. Uh, yeah. My, thanks for having me. My name's Alex Marr. Uh, I'm uh, recently imported from Vancouver to Winnipeg uh, in November of 2020 during the pandemic. Um, yeah, my my thing is uh, mostly loop loop based uh, funk soul kind of cool stuff. Um, very sax heavy. Uh, I also am a sort of a singer songwriter producer as well. So you know, it's kind of like a one man uh, project right yeah. now uh i was playing with like a six-piece band back in vancouver um a couple years ago and uh you know uh covid happened and also you know just uh solo efforts solo loop loop artistry also happened as well so well and i think the solo loop stuff is what initially uh, got me interested in what you're doing because i saw some of those videos you posted and i really dug it and then that then that led me to sort of further explore um your, your recorded stuff which a lot of it was much more sort of almost funk pop in parts and definitely that singer songwriter vibe too um than i had expected from the loop videos so it's cool to see like the different facets because it was really funky and then still funky but but had had some you know uh, more of a uh i'm not sure the word is more, more i don't want to say mainstream because it's not that but more kind of uh digestible than like a hard funk sort of instrumental right oh thanks i really appreciate that <laughs> so i guess just to place you like how did you get here (laughs) why did you end up in winnipeg after originally being a west my wife's uh, originally from here uh she grew up here and we've been coming back here every christmas and and summer uh you know uh christmas and lake life and and cool family times and stuff like that but also over the years winnipeg's been such a strong musical hub you know on any western canadian tour any canadian tour you're going to hit winnipeg and you know, I've played everywhere over the years from the old Walker Theater to the zoo yeah. to York Brewery to, you know, Le Patio Toisson Garant. Like, it's um, it's such a dope city. And uh, when COVID hit and all the gigs evaporated and people pivoted and people have made decisions on what they were going to do, uh, when we were like, let's go somewhere other than Vancouver where it's not as, you know, incredibly expensive and yeah. 
you know, we were thinking Montreal, we were thinking Toronto, we were thinking Winnipeg, and uh, we kind of just landed on Winnipeg. And man, it wasn't a hard decision for me at all. Like, I just know that Winnipeg has got such a great, great vibe and great scene. So um, it's been a really cool adventure uh, since we've been here uh, in November of 2020. Right on. And I mean, I guess the obvious question to ask you then would be, how have you sort of fit into the local music scene now that you've been here? But there haven't hasn't really been a scene in terms of live performances anyway, uh, in, you know, almost a year and a half now. So have you been able to sort of figure out, uh, get get a grip on sort of like who's who in the music scene and all the venues and stuff? I know you said you've played a number, number of them before, but you know, it's a pretty big, tight-knit community here. And I often wonder when someone's coming from outside, whether it's uh, how how they navigate that, right? Um, I think I have, like, uh, slightly exclusive access to some inside channels in Vancouver or in Winnipeg. Uh, just having known um, friends like my uh, my friend Jorge in uh, the Mariachi Ghost. Cool. Um, friends like my friend Sandy Toronto and uh, Jamie Toronto. Um, kind of like Winnipeg legends in, in a way. And uh, through them, I've met, you know, artists like... Uh, Royal Canoe, Begonia, um, just like really, really dope Winnipeg performers. And uh, just just since being back here and like engaging, engaging what what industry there is yeah. to be engaged in, you know, uh, in, in the pandemic, I was lucky, but also really sort of, uh, how do I say, like, it was really cool to see that uh, when I went out and looked at open mic nights on the Internet, in this area, which is weird, but it's on the internet. Internet in this area, uh, the Whoop and Holler Festival had an open mic night that I hit up a few times. Uh, Manitoba Music had an open mic night that I hit up, and uh, I was able to really connect, even though it was really separated and online and, and in a virtual environment. I was able to make some connections, and I ended up getting booked for the Whoop and Holler Festival on the Friday night. It ended up getting rained out, but we still ended up doing the lineup in the in the hospitality tent, and I ended up jamming with. Uh, the prairie joggers late into the evening on the Friday and it was super fun. And like, there's, there's so much music here. Uh, I mean, I mentioned it in an earlier interview this year, but uh, I think Winnipeg might have the most long McQuaid's per capita that that's <laughs> Canadian city, which says a lot for the musical magnitude that's going yeah. on here. You know? it's a lot of people buying guitars. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I noticed also that you, you seem to have done a lot of live streams and things like that uh, during this this weird lockdown time that everyone's going through. Um, was that mainly just to sort of keep yourself actively playing music in front of an audience, or what was the what's the background behind that? Uh, going into late 2019, going into 2020, um, I started doing live session videos just for social media content and and you know documentation and all that and all that video stuff. Yeah. And um, my guitarist at the time, uh, Ben Parker, still still a great friend, but he's in Vancouver. But he's also doing a lot of media camera work with me. And uh, we just started to realize that over time that like my rig that I had at the time was really noisy. My pedal board was just buzzing in all these different areas. Everything was buzzing. So uh, I went through a bit of a gear spiral before COVID. It was really lucky that I did that. And I was also lucky to have, you know, work in vancouver to the point that i could even do that okay. uh, but you know um everywhere th- I, I replaced my entire pedal board and i got a helix which which was like instantly took down every all the noise by like 40 percent um i slapped a a di everywhere that i could and i got rid of two old mixers that i was using and used one i use one mixer now called the touch mix okay. 8 qsc and it does the job of what my both old mixers were doing with no noise and 
it was I was just really fortuitous because then COVID hit, and then all of a sudden I was like already streamlined to to stream and in, in, in a really sort of you know already dialed noiseless environment for the internet and it was just kind of weird like yeah i still remember it now like when the co when covid first hit when the pandemic first hit and everyone's tour all of a sudden was everyone's tours were canceled within days yeah uh i still remember the first music live stream of the pandemic lockdown was john legend on instagram live just playing um love's in need of love tonight by stevie wonder and like uh it was so iconic at the, at the like, I was like, wow, this is going to be what happens now. Like yeah. everyone's going to be streaming and trying to stay alive. Um, and it was totally cool because, you know, I, everyone had to make make makeshift home broadcasting situations. And, you know, those of us that were already in it, you know, those of us that were already making podcasts and, and already in that sort of school were already sort of already had to jump on it. But then the pandemic forced everyone that wasn't in to get in if they were going to get in that's right yeah. and and then you had twitch channels uh and the next thing you know i had a restream account and i was streaming to facebook youtube twitch instagram at the same time with most of those platforms having the chat amalgamated in one column so I, but not, like never before i'm sitting here playing a set cyber busking basically but also having people from you know my facebook list my instagram list youtube and twitch all coming in at the same time and all talking to me at the same time during every song it's just like it was a level of interaction that i never had live yeah well you can't you can't get that live because you can't you don't have the opportunity to speak to everyone in the crowd right for sure and you can't be like oh hi cousins in <laughs> another city during the middle of your you know um so that was really cool that 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 united us in that way for that time and um you know in the first few months of the of the novel the novelty of the pandemic was still very real and people were still very locked down and you know it was just a it was a really cool effect yeah. of, of that thing and then uh you know obviously things started to open back up and there was you know maybe a trickle of life that happened and i was lucky that i was even able to book a tour in august and that was based on like you know, a private gig, but then I, I connected the dots around that anchor date and, you know, I was able to play at Guild & Co. in Vancouver, Dublin Gate in Whistler, uh, Lil Ronnie's Beachside Barbecue in Tofino and a, a few other places. Um, and I was lucky because, yeah. you know, without that one private date, I wouldn't have been, be, been able to be like, you know what, I'm for sure, this is for sure going to be a good deal. Like, I'm sure I won't lose any money going out to the West Coast and back from Winnipeg. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, the drive alone, right? Is, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, there's not a lot there, there at the time. And even now, there's really not a lot to hit in Saskatchewan and Alberta, especially because of the health crisis there. And, you know, it's just it's just it's just dodgy right now. So, you know, for sure. Tyrant, 
easy to see How can this be? It's hard to believe We can't bring me silent Become obsolete Come back to me Sweet liberty You're not a state of denial Lost in a spiral Everybody come together right now Say you're never gonna Gotta go green, change all the white rain, forget gasoline, the sickness is deep, I need an EV, let us be free from this disease. How can this be? It's hard to believe, we can't bring me silent, become obsolete, come back to me, sweet liberty, you're not a state of denial, lost in a spiral. Do you, um, I mean, obviously, again, the pandemic has, has affected everyone, <laughs> everyone's everything, but are you hoping that, you know, now that you're established in Winnipeg, to uh, go back to having a full band, like get some local musicians to work with you, or are you sticking with the uh, the stuff you're doing now with the looping, or both? I mean, uh, obviously, I'm open to everything. Um, the looping and the solo work is, is has become, it has been my bread and butter, and uh and you know, playing with playing with musicians is never going to be, you know, not a thing. Like yeah. playing playing or collaborating song, right? So um, it's just uh, it's just a matter of having the space and uh, having having the time together again. You know, so yeah. Uh, but it's been really cool. Like um, Winnipeg has just got such a such an array of crazy talented individuals you know so it's it's going to be really exciting do you think that um like sonically i mean do you consider yourself to be more of a funk artist than anything else or i mean i know it's kind of mutable right you have the singer songwriter stuff you do seem to delve into pop at times what do you sort of consider yourself to be as for, if you had to slap a genre on it i mean i would say funk yeah. you know uh i would say funk soul yeah 
So what, and there's a, what, what drew you to that? I mean, what, I, I love that stuff too, but what, what, is the, what was the appeal for you as a musician when you first started getting into funk and soul? Like what, what made that the thing you wanted to pursue? I just feel like the energy that, you know, artists like Stevie Wonder and, and everyone that came after him bring is kind of what got me into music in the first place. And just everything that has to do with, you know, uh, that, that soul and, but also like, you know, the fatness. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but like the fatness that I learned from getting into artists like D'Angelo and, and Tribe Called Quest and The Roots and like even Led Zeppelin had a very fatness about them, you know, like um, in my opinion, you know, my top three drummers of all time would be John Bonham, uh, maybe Stuart Cop- Copeland, and then also uh, Amir Thompson from The Roots, like just like I, I I always loved drummers and like the fatness of the fattest drummers is kind of also what got me into it as well. That's it's interesting those three guys because they all have very different sounds, but I can definitely see the through line between them. I mean, like you know, Bonham and Copeland on the surface don't seem to have a lot in common because Bonham is just bashing the shit out of the drums, but yeah. I, I can see it for sure. There's there's definitely like fatness is probably a good term for it that, that it goes through all three of those guys. I feel like all three of them hit the snare very hard, yeah. and it's like. Uh, Maybe maybe Questlove might have that perfect angle and doesn't hit it quite as hard, but um, I don't know. I don't know if, if that's even related, but I feel like that has something to do with tone. That yeah, well, it's a hard thing too with drums to, to to pick out individual tones, but I think all those guys are drummers that you can sort of identify right away, no matter who they're playing with. Eh? Right. Yeah, and just I don't know, like um, <clears throat> yeah, like Stevie Wonder, uh, A, but also the singer songwriter side of things, like Elliot Smith, really always kind of caught me, and like the the sort of moody, intricate stuff really really vibe with me as well. Cool. So, what was your is sax your your primary instrument? Sax would be my main weapon, I would say, of okay. choice. And then you play what guitar, keyboards? What else? <laughs> Seems like you got a lot in there. Some drums, vocals, um, and I also beatbox and uh, I. I don't, percussion counts, I think, if, yeah. you, if you're playing it properly with some shakers and some cool stuff. But um, I would say, uh, yeah, sax, vocals, guitar, drums, and then some keyboards and some synths and stuff in there. How long have you been playing sax for? Like, do you have a... I mean, with sax players, it seems like there's either... Uh, the, the typical background, especially among the sax players I know anyway, which is they're going through from a very young age and, and just getting super into it and doing all these high-level, um, you know, training, or it's people who just pick it up and find some kind of affinity for it and develop it from there. Like what was your background as a sax player? Uh, very much public school. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I was born in Toronto. Till, I lived in Toronto till I was 13 and the North York public school system uh, just got to be started. Um, and sax was my second choice. My first pick was drums. Okay. Third pick was French horn. I never picked up the French horn, but uh, maybe I was lucky that way. Um, but yeah, sax um, self-taught and then uh, a few years like, maybe three years into it, I uh, started taking private lessons. And then uh, I've been through a few different private teachers over the years. Um, and I opted not for post-secondary jazz training, which I had some some uh, assistance to do that if I, if I so wanted, but I, I opted for the science route and I went to UBC on a science, on a partial science ride. Okay. Um, mostly to keep me in Vancouver and mostly to keep me close to my network and get some bands started in Vancouver when I was young. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, a couple of years later, that band that, that I started, um, 
way back then got signed to network and oh, cool. that that was the first group that started to get some momentum for me and let me think that maybe music could be a thing that I could do long term. Yeah, which is which is kind of rare because there's so many people. I mean, just over the course of doing this show, I've been doing it for eight, eight and a half years, and the number of bands that have come and gone sort of in that time that didn't make music a, a career. They they might have made some great stuff, but for whatever reasons, you know, life got in the way, or or, or, or you know, jobs and education, families and things like that. So yeah, it, it's definitely uh, if you have an opportunity to do it, right? It's uh, something you want to you want to grab while you can. Yeah, and I think that my journey in Vancouver was was quite unique. Um, you know, having a chance to go on the road right away out of right out of university, cutting my university experience short yeah. for, for sciences, but which was kind of half the plan. Um, and then when I came back and that band um, sort of ran its course and we kind of went our ways, still so great friends. But then I was already set up to sort of venture to, on, on to my next chapter, which was, you know, a really grassroots level um, community style ground up uh procession of like you know i started an open mic night that i hosted ended up hosting for a decade and a half in east ended up seeing every absolutely everyone that came through the city came through that open mic night at the anza club and uh and you know i released records with groups that formed in and around that community um and then i eventually passed the torch on to some local local rappers, which were, you know, some of the more enthusiastic community members uh, at my open mic night. Um, but there's, that's not to say that there was a great number of, you know, rock, uh, songwriters, comedians, like everything, cool. everybody came through there. Um, and then, yeah. And then, uh, you know, there was like a, a period of, of, of gigging. It's just, just like gigging. And, uh, you know, Vancouver's got a lot of corporate, backdrop work if you if you're you can handle doing it but um it's a slippery slope because it can kind of lead you off into a very non-artistic side of the musical world yeah yeah well there's that here too i think i don't know if it's to the same extent but there definitely are people that i know who have gone from being creative and making their own music to finding like a lucrative kind of path that way and are professional musicians and, and still doing it for a living, which is awesome. But yeah, they're doing private functions and, and cover bands and things like that. And it's, uh, it's a different, different pathway for sure. For sure. And uh, you know what, at this point I would definitely be down with just about because <laughs> COVID definitely uh, made everything go away. But um, I don't know. I was really, I was really thrilled on my, on my trip to Tofino and back in August with um just you know what was able to happen and uh my night at guilt and co i think was maybe my favorite show that i've ever had um in august and it was just like a it was a perfect combination of haven't been there in a long time and you know everyone came and every the the energy was just right and even though there was no dancing it was just like i don't know it was about as close to a perfect night as i could have had so um, and there was a few of them like that on the tour, so I, I feel really blessed after that trip. I don't know if I can say for sure If I think that we could save the world Only lesson that we need to learn Is how to begin Now we're living in a crazy time Like a prison for a peace of mind just been erased to find the start of the end so don't worry about your dream job just let it be real 
how does that feel um, from the stage? You know, because you're playing a kind of music that is very upbeat and does obviously lend itself to dancing. I mean, funk is about movement, basically, right? So uh, how does that feel watching the crowd and, and knowing that they're not allowed to? Like, it's not that they don't want to dance to what you're doing, right? It's that they're, they're, they're forbidden. Is that a weird kind of thing to observe as you're playing? If they're vibing and they're moving, even though if they're not on the dance floor, and like definitely Guilt & Co. is famous for the dance floor, uh, even though that's not happening, I could just really feel the energy. And like, you know, there's nothing better than at the end of a song having a great ovation and a great, a great, you know, reciprocal feeling come back from the from the crowd. And like, there was that. And there was also like a lot of my really um, most favorite local heavy friend musicians that were also to the side of me and like i would normally maybe be a bit nervous but i was like really stoked and i was just like wow i can't wait to shred for these guys right now and just like do my thing and try really hard not to suck What is the, uh, I mean, things, obviously the pandemic's still going on. I'm, I'm so sick of talking about the pandemic. I'm sure you are too. But things are sort oh. of, it seems like they're sort of getting better. I mean, so far anyway, right? So what is your, what is sort of your next move then? I mean, you know, you're in Winnipeg. Shows are starting to slowly start happening again. What are you going to be doing uh, in the next few months? I am going to be doing everything I can to break into Ontario. Uh, it's like, I pl- actually played in Kenora um, a couple years ago, I came out here and played for Winter Option um, and also booked a, a date at uh, a spot in Kenora. And it was like a tiny little mini weekend tour that I hit to Winnipeg and came back. And uh, yeah, I would just love to trickle my way down into Ontario and be able to play for my friends in Toronto. Yeah. Eventually. Ontario has just been so locked down still and everything's kind of still not back up and running so it's really not open yet like for guys like me and and even you know more established you know represented artists you're not seeing a lot of them they're they're hitting there's big events that are you know well supported and and you know have the infrastructure to handle it or, or or whatever and you can guarantee all those spots are definitely you know spoken for by heavily represented you know yeah. mainstream artists which is fine and that's that's their job and I feel like they've taken even more of a hit per capita. Like the the band, I feel bad for the bands that were that were you know full bird touring, selling out theaters yeah. when that happened because they they really took a hit, you know. And like, and I don't know. I feel I, not just you know not just them. Like anyone that was in a in a big production that that got shut down, not just you know. Well, yeah, a lot of those people have nothing to fall back on, right? Because they, they put all their eggs in that basket and it's been sustaining them for as long as it has. And then suddenly, boom, it's just it's just over, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, everything that's coming back is, is so deserved. And uh, I really hope uh, that more artists come back from the from the brink. Yeah. Where can people hear you? I mean, if people are hearing about you for the first time on the show, what's the best option to track down your music, uh, find out when you're playing live, that kind of thing? I mean, my Spotify's got all my albums, and uh, you know, every every little bit helps on there. Um, any any follower on Spotify is is great. Um, my IG, I would say, is, is the most up to date uh, way to keep track of my dates that come down, as well as my website, um, alexmarmusic.com. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty much grinding in, in Winnipeg and uh, out out of the out of this region. Um, uh, I got a show coming up on November fifth at Torque with the Steadies from Saskatoon, uh, cool. featuring Errol Pereira from the Wide Mouth Mason years. Um, 
and uh yeah it's kind of like now for me i gotta keep i gotta keep something on the dashboard coming up in a month or two months and i gotta keep an eye on staying on top of a on top of my own thing or else if i don't it's just gonna go and you know you're gonna see me swinging a shovel in Wolseley's on the construction crew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might still happen, actually, but uh, we'll see what happens. That's honest work, right? Absolutely, yeah.
destined to resign before it's red. So uh, you have a couple of records out now, right? Right now, you have, what is it? Two EPs, or or what do you have so far that's uh, available? There's, there's two EPs that are still in print. Um, uh, one from 2017 called Ether, uh, which is kind of more of a uh, sort of an alt soul. It's got kind of a moody Elliot Smith kind of thing, but more like uh, I don't know. It's John Mayer-ish as well, um, kind of driving soul. Uh, that was more of like a full band studio production, and then uh, Dream Final is my newest EP from 2020. And um, that's more of in the pop soul realm, pop soul funk realm, I would say. Uh, that was produced by my good friend Ryan Stewart, um, who's produced a ton of a ton of artists. If you look him up, he's done. A, he's got a pretty good resume these days. Cool. Um, and yeah, and um, I'm compiling a, a new LP. Um, it's definitely going to have a ref- reflections of all the new synth that I've inc- incorporated in my in my rig, and it's going to have a lot of fatness and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited for the next the next catalog of songs I'm about to put out. I'm looking forward to hearing it too. But one the, one thing I was going to ask you earlier that I completely forgot about, and I'm remembering it now before I let you go, is um, when you're playing the stuff that you've recorded with a full band, how how difficult is it for you to replicate it um, with loops and uh, as a solo artist? Do you completely change the structure of the song, or do you try to keep it as as true to the original full band version that's possible to do as a one man thing? For sure. I, I definitely try to uh, cover as many bases as I can that are getting covered in the production. Um, and most of them are pretty easily able to hit. However, you know, transitioning from uh, a verse progression of chords into a whole other, you know, chorus progression or B section or C section, yeah. sometimes it's as easy to accomplish arrangement-wise within the loop environment. So it can... It can be sort of mimicked and uh, sort of hit with more of a structural dynamic breakdown where I can like I can build the groove. I can do the chorus, make the make the groove really fat, but then shift gears and then break it down half a half a section and do the chorus or, or do the do the second second section. But just on guitar okay. with the beat breaking down and then come back to it and build it back up. And so you just gotta you gotta be sort of mindful of the dynamics when you're doing that. But um, it's definitely attainable, and not to the same arrangement degree that you can with the whole band. And uh, even to that extent, like with the band, the songs that I select are different too. Like I wouldn't play songs with my band that I could just loop. I I'll do songs like you know what a fool believes with the Doobie Brothers that are just like more elaborate arrangements that I wouldn't be able to do loop loop wise. You want to take advantage of having everyone there that you can use all of their different sounds and talents yeah absolutely yeah and also to that to that effect in vancouver having a six-piece band is like having a pet elephant and uh, it's very uh expensive to feed sure i i definitely believe that Lost and sea Underneath the ocean On the common up the surface From my exhibit and the circus oh, oh. I've been hiding from the sky Staying home and getting high 
Cause the pressure's getting greater The Submarine Escaping in my submarine Lost at sea Underneath the ocean Only flotsam all around you And that's all that you're amount to Like the monuments below Getting made in the snow Please don't follow me down is getting greater at the fountain that I reach Something that I reach.